0: We'd like to read our Scripture lessons today. Our Old Testament text is found in Jeremiah chapter 10. You'll see the verses that <clears throat> we've selected in your bulletin, uh, a <clears throat> page number in the Pew Bible where you can find this passage if you'd like to follow along. You're always welcome, of course, to simply sit back and listen, and here as we, as we read. And what we're, we'll read today is, again, fairly early on in Jeremiah's ministry, within the first decade anyway, and he had a four decades long time that we know of. Uh, and God's going to speak, Jeremiah's going to speak, and then God's going to speak again. We'll leave some, some of the verses out, but we'll pick them up during the sermon. So, <clears throat> it's a word of encouragement to Jeremiah. Listen here to God's Word. Hear the word which the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. Do not learn the way of the nations, and do not be terrified by the signs of the heavens, Although the nations are terrified by them, for the customs of the peoples are delusion. Down to verse 6, Jeremiah, there is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and great is your name in might. Who would not fear you, O king of the nations? Indeed, it is your due. For among all the wise men of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. But they are altogether stupid and foolish. Down to verse 10, God speaks. But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At His wrath the earth quakes, and the nations cannot endure His indignation. Thus you shall say to them, the gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. It is He who made the earth by His power, who established the world by His wisdom, and by His understanding He has stretched out the heavens. Amen. Amen. Then please turn to Matthew chapter five for the first part of our gospel text. We'll read three verses from Matthew five and then a couple of verses from Matthew seven. All part of the Sermon on the Mount. So listen here to God's word. Jesus said, do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is broad, that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow, that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Amen. And then, if you would please turn to Acts chapter 17. This is a passage we memorized last year, I believe it was, or the year before, I can't remember exactly when it was. <clears throat> Acts seventeen twenty-two through 34. It's Paul at the Mars Hill, the Areopagus speech. Listen here again to God's Word. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. For in Him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are His children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because He has fixed a day in which He will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom He has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising Him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer, but others said, We shall hear you again concerning this. So Paul went out from their midst, but some men joined him and believed among whom were also Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. Amen. We'll take just a few moments to bow our heads and silently meditate upon God's Word, which we've read. Well, Father, we come in Jesus' name and we call upon you to help us. We want to hear your Word preached. We want to receive your Word as the living Word that comes and works in our hearts and lives in a powerful, redemptive sanctifying way. Oh, Lord, we need you. We cannot do any of this on our own. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our mouths. Let us be faithful servants of yours. We ask this through Christ Jesus, our Savior and the Lord of all. Amen. Amen. We've spent a lot of time on the last 40 years of the nation of Israel or Judah before the Babylonian captivity. We've, uh, out of the last two years, we've had at least six months, if not more, of preaching through Second Chronicles, the end of Second Chronicles, and parts of Jeremiah here. And quite frankly, it's dismal reading, right? It's been tough. Uh, it's been tough for me. It's hard stuff because they go from bad to worse. About the time you start getting hope for them, they, they go and do worse things yet. And uh, it's a society and a culture in steep decline. They're morally unrestrained. They're walking away from God while using the name of God. Uh, it sounds a lot like us. That's part of what attracted it to me. I used to have a bumper sticker on my car. Remember that yellow bumper sticker with red letters, I think? It said, God's law or chaos. And they were rapidly walking away from God, just like we are, and chaos ensued, and destruction and judgment. And so, we're finishing up Jeremiah today. Hallelujah. During the summer, we're going to preach through Hebrews. 13 chapters, 13 weeks. Seems sort of easy, doesn't it? So we're going to shift gears. But we've got to finish up Jeremiah or our, our thoughts about Jeremiah. And I don't know if that burden will lift from my heart, but like I said, I, I always think Jeremiah is a, a classic example of the very kind of times through which we're living ourselves. Now Jeremiah. He lived and ministered faithfully for 40 plus years in the type of society I've just described. He was faithful to God's revelation and to God's truth. He didn't waver. He didn't go any other place. That's where he stayed. That was where he was committed to. Uh, It cost him a lot. It cost him his standing in his community among the priests and other folks. He he was not recognized as a worthy person. He was castigated it it cost him in terms of his family relations his own parents and brothers and sisters did not uh, want to acknowledge him would not have relations with him he was the object of persecution he was imprisoned threatened with death now he had a difficult time coping with some of this as it went on we we've read already <clears throat> well last week i think we did chapter 12 and we've done chapter 20 where Jeremiah just got fed up. He said, God, what's going on? How can this be? I know who you are. I see what's going on, and this is not the way it's supposed to be. Now if you've never felt like that, you've never really lived. You've never really believed because you have plenty of times like that, and Jeremiah argues with God, but he argues with God. He doesn't go out and talk against God. He argues with God. He says, help me. He's sort of like Job, right? Nothing wrong with arguing with God. Just don't cast aspersions on him. (laughs) Ask the questions. See what's there. But he's, he's doing it with God. Now, so what kept him faithful and persevering for 40 plus years when all the rest of the culture is going down? What kept him faithful and persevering? I want to suggest two basic convictions. Foundational convictions that he had that he worked, got worked into his soul, and we see them both here in chapter 10. That's why we want to end with this chapter. Conviction number one, God, the God of the Bible, God is the only creator there is. He's the creator of all that is. He knew that. And the second conviction he had is that God is the only king there is. That ultimately when all authority goes back, the top of rung of all authority is God. And it all delegates down from there. So, all authority is under God. God is the King of all. He had those two great convictions. If, he says, if He's the King, it means He's all powerful, etc. Now, chapter 10, like I said, is fairly early on in His ministry. And it shows how these two convictions became foundational for Him. So, God speaks to Him and says very clearly, He says, Do not learn the way of the nations. Now, what does that mean and what does that not mean when it says, do not learn the way of the nations? Well, it doesn't mean don't learn about the ways of the nations because you can't help but learn the ways of the nations because you're alive. And that's just part of the, the, the fabric of society, part of the, the, the moral and knowledgeable uh, wallpaper around you. It's just part of what you're going to know what the ways of the nations are. He says, don't learn the way of the nations, see him. He says, don't learn the way of the nations so that you can follow the ways of the nations. Okay? You can be aware of them, know of all what they say, but say, well, hold on, but I'm not going there. I refuse to do that. And that's where Jeremiah was. That's where we should be too, by the way. You know, it's always amazing to me that that our legislators, even our people, say, Well, well, here's how they're doing it in Sweden, or here's how they're doing it in Mexico, or here's how they're doing it in, in Israel or someplace else. Well, hold on. Who are we? We're not called to follow them. We're called to follow God and what He has for us. <clears throat> Why not? Why should He not learn the ways of the nation? It's a good question. It says, For the customs of the peoples are a delusion. That is their vanity. They're really not accurate, they're not true, they will poof, go away in due time. Says don't learn them that way, to follow them. Uh, World view is what's envisioned here. How does the universe work? How do you explain basic questions? How do things get here the way they are? What are the rules that uh, obtain? Uh, What are we to do, what are we not to do? Those are what's going on here. And what happens is there's a massive cultural project there are idols everywhere in Jeremiah's day. Idols everywhere. It's a massive medium or media momentum. No matter where you go, you see it, you hear it, all these idols. And it's hard for him to figure out what he should do. But he knows what, what goes on. Now, this is not just something that's a little bit, by the way. Brian, would you put up that first text, I believe, that we have there? Uh, we didn't read this, but it's right after where we were. It says, they decorated, this is the idol, with silver and gold. They fastened it with nails and with hammers so that it will not totter. Now, we read that, we don't think much, but what God is telling them there, they invest in this, gold and silver. They construct it, make it so it's strong, it won't go anywhere at all. So there's huge investment by the culture, by the elites, by the people into this project of idolatry. Both financial capital, personal capital, and all the capital of the uh, culture. We want to do that. So, okay, you can take that one down now, Brian. Don't put another one up yet. Uh, but he tells Jeremiah, don't be terrified, or the word is actually dismayed by them. Don't be overwhelmed, uh, because the people are. They see all this; these idols. They all point to, in this case, the Queen of Heaven. If you read on to the end of Jeremiah in Chronicles, you'll see that uh, even after they get deported, they're worshiping the Queen of Heaven, which is a pagan idolatrous thing where uh, involves all sorts of uh, worship that's profane and that allows for people to do part, pretty much whatever they want. Uh, it involves manipulation both on the part of the Queen of Heaven, as it were, down here, and for the people up to try and manipulate the Queen of Heaven to get what they want. We still find that where people try to manipulate God or think that God wants them to do something that's gross and immoral and what should not be done. He says, listen, don't be dismayed by that. Don't, Don't think that that's the case. Don't be dismayed by that at all. Know that I'm the king of all. And who stands behind all this massive cultural deception that's going on, that's pushing people this way, ultimately, who stands behind it is the deceiver, Satan. That's still true today. We forget that. He stands behind all of this, which doesn't mean that all the people are worshiping Him, but He stands behind because He wants to lead us astray, lead us away, and He uses these things to do that. And we fall for it, not knowing necessarily that He's the one behind it. Uh, Now, Jesus speaks to this reality, because the deceiver is always trying to deceive us and get us away from the ways of God. Jesus speaks to this. Let me uh, read that again to you that we read from Matthew 5. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I say to you until heaven and earth pass away not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. God says the moral law does not change says, these are things that, that, that are there because God made it this way. He's the one who pushes it there. He makes it stay that way until heaven and earth pass away. And then Jesus adds, whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. says that there's judgment going to come because of this. And there's massive judgment awaiting, as, we're, as we would see in Israel, there was massive judgment awaited them because of what they'd done. But likewise today, there's still massive judgment awaiting those who are shifting and changing and calling away from the standards and laws of God. What I think we don't appreciate, as we should, is how difficult this was for people like Jeremiah to hold the line. Because all of the world around them, all the culture was going the other direction. Saying this is the way it is. And you live in that. You think, well, that's just the way it is. We need to get with the program and believe that too. We need to be you know, up to speed, up to date with all this stuff of what they've changed. Uh, and so in our own day and age, we're all about... Shifting and changing values. Well, we should not be there. And this is not a call back to the values of the 50s and 60s. This is a call back to biblical values, all right? We need to know that those biblical values, what's taught here in the Scriptures, is true all the way through. We need to hold to that. Stand there. There's great peril in not doing so. But in the moment where we live, it seems hard because so much is going the other way. What do we need to see? And that's where Jeremiah speaks in verse 6 through 8. He says, you are great, there is none like you, God. You are the king of the nations. There's the conviction again. You're the king of the nations, you rule. All things are under your authority says, and I don't know why all this stuff is happening, but I know that you're the one who rules, and I want to be faithful to you. And so he's convinced that God is the wisest of all. There's none like him. And notice how he finishes up. But they are altogether stupid and foolish. Now, we don't like that language too much, do we? But that's the language Jeremiah used. All these wise people, all these cultural elites, all those who are saying these things that are against God, are stupid and foolish. Did you ever consider what Paul said on Mars Hill? We read that this morning. Remember how that went down? His spirit was provoked when he saw all the idols in Athens. Athens, of course, being the high point of all of classical civilization. His spirit was provoked and so he had to speak, and they invited him to speak on their marketplace. and he speaks with due respect, but he speaks clearly. He says, the God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth. He does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. And he goes on and tells how God is the Lord of all. It says the nations, he made them all from one man, that is Adam. All came from him, and he's the one, he, God, is one who determines their times and boundaries. He does. Paul tells us to them. Now, what's the purpose, he says? Well, that that we should seek God, if perhaps we might grope for him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. So we ought not to imagine that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, something made by the art and thought of man. He says, don't think that. On top of that, he says, God has fixed a, a day in which he will judge the whole world, all men, by a man whom he has appointed by raising and convicted all by raising him from the dead. And they said, hold on, that's enough. We don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> okay. But he brings in all the points we've just made. God is great. God is king. God rules over all. Judgment is coming. He's fixed today. Now, If you put the next project or projection up, Brian, that'd be good. This is from the part we didn't read either. Here's the reality of resources. Beaten silver is brought from Tarshish and gold from Upas, the work of a craftsman in the hands of a goldsmith. Violet and purple are their clothing. They are all the work of skillful men. Just leave that there for a while. All the lavish splendor and erudition of culture is brought to bear in this project to change and transform culture. It's not a slip-shod project. It's organized, it's funded, it's pushed with regularity on and on and on. It's pushed. And in our day, the same thing occurs and is occurring. Very smart people are insisting that there's no such thing as a sexual binary. If you think that, you're wrong, they say. And they spend all kinds of money, all kinds of resources, all kinds of reasoning, <clears throat> because they are skillful men, to erect this notion that somehow we could get beyond the sexual binary. Do you understand that? That's a major idol. In our culture today and we're all being called to bow down to it no matter who you are where you are you're you're called to do this in your job and in places and you cannot and be faithful to god you simply cannot because god a creational aspect is he made us male and female that's it The powers of government are saying this, the social movers and shakers, Hollywood, the NCAA, the NBA, all that, and it's the work of skillful folk. It's hard to stand against that. It's hard to stand and say, well, hold on, we no. We wonder, are we wrong? Have we missed something? God speaks again. You can take that one down now, Brian, thank you. <clears throat> Here's what he says, thus you shall say to them, the gods that did not make the heavens and the earth will perish from the earth and from under the heavens. All these things that are man-made were not made by God, They're not, they didn't make anything. They're fabricated by human beings. They will not last. God made all that is. He makes each human being. He's one who gives us and says, here's the way you're going to be. You know, I, Ron Moria wishes he had his brother's height. I wish I had my brother's speed. You wish you had your brother's smarts, or whatever it may be. Well, well, guess what? God's the one who made you the way you are. <laughs> and, and you can argue with him all you want. Those gods... Did not make us. Did not make heaven and earth. But we're in the process of saying, we can make us be whomever we want to be. Baloney. Cannot happen. Now, the earth is firmly established. It will not be moved. We hear that repeatedly in Scripture. Now, put the last uh, projection up if you would, Brian. This is from chapter 10, verse 5, up earlier than the rest. It says, do not fear them. For they can do no harm, nor can they do any good." Now, what does that mean? First of all, man, they've done a lot of harm. People have been misled, people people believe wrong things, people have surgeries, people have behaviors, all things, they've done harm in that sense. That's not what God means here. And some would say they've done a lot of good, they've done this or that. Here's what it means. What it means is it can't take away from, nor can it add to what God has declared. His word stands firm. They can do all the, what they want, but they can't harm it. They cannot add to it. It stands firm. Here's what it is. We need to know that. Okay, thank you, Brian. We need to know that human beings are not as powerful as we think we are. We're very, very, very powerful, I agree with that, but we're not as powerful as we think. God is more powerful than we think. He's more right than we think. You know, all those things. Now, what I say, here, here early on, in his ministry, Jeremiah, in this passage here, we see him being... Convicted of these two foundational facts God is the creator and God is the king. Now, I want to suggest to you that we need to have those two things implanted within us. God is the creator, He made all that is, He rules over it all, He's the king. If you know that, if you are able to stand in that, it's good. I was going to have the title of the sermon this morning be Creator and King, but I said it's customary because you don't want to go with a custom. You want to go with what God has said. And what God said is good, it's right, it's immovable, and we need to get in line with that and ask Him to build our lives on those solid foundational principles. God is the creator, and God still reigns as king. Amen. Amen.